You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Gem. My name is Marlon Murr, and I am here with the vegan financial advisor, Justin Manning. Justin, how are you doing today? Hi, guys. I'm well, Marlon. Thank you so much. Sun is shining. I'm feeling good. Awesome. That's great. Whereabouts are you located right now? Aldergrove, Langley, BC. Langley, BC. So we're actually not too far from each other. I'm recording in our studio in Fort Langley. So we're, we're pretty close to each other, actually. We could have done this in-house. Yeah, and I realized that you guys, uh, how long ago did you move spaces? You were in one building and now you're in that brand new one on the corner. Yeah, exactly. I think it's been a couple of years now. Um, I started with Jelly more recently after the move, but I think they were in the old space for a couple of years and they've recently moved here. Awesome. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about you, how you've gotten to where you are today, and share a little bit of advice for our viewers and listeners on a little bit of financial freedom after pre-COVID, post-COVID, and uh, how to be able to bounce back. So tell us a little bit about you, your practice, and uh, how you got started with what you're doing today. Yeah, well, thank you again for having me. And I guess the first thing that I want to say right off the top is it's been a wild ride so far in 2020. So for everybody who's listening right now, I just kind of want to speak through the lens of, of empathy and uh, hoping that everybody out there is well. And I just kind of wanted to say that off at the top um, before diving into you know myself. Um, my practice is really based on positioning the individuals uh, and the companies that I deal with as the hero. Uh, that's how I like to come at the story. So it's a little bit interesting uh, to be in this position with you here today talking about myself. So uh, I'll do my best to uh, answer the questions and, and go through this with you. But uh, yeah, really happy to be here in my origin story. Um, I, I ran my own fitness business for about eight years. So I was a fitness coach. And in 2016 is when I moved into the financial services industry and obtained my uh, insurance license. And so I, I kind of articulated as I went from a fitness coach to a financial coach. And from the outset, they don't seem uh, in alignment and very similar, but they are. You know, We're really helping people get from where they are to where they want to go bridging the gap and really building a plan of proper habits in order to get there because whether it's fitness or finance, it's really not rocket science. It's quite simple if you just have the uh, accountability to put the right steps in place. And so that's, that's my role. Awesome. So what, what would be some proper habits that you would sh- like to share with uh, our viewers? I would say that one of the biggest habits that you can get comfortable with is what we're doing today and is having more conversations, um, allowing yourself to talk about the debt that you might be carrying, uh, allow yourself to talk about the experiences that were, were very positive or, or may have been negative when dealing with, um, a financial advisor in the past. So I think that transparency in the way that we communicate about finances in Canada is probably one of the best habits that we can get into and that really dovetails into the other, you know, habit of not judging yourself too much, not being too hard on yourself and realizing that all you can do is move one foot in front of the next and um, really just be better than you were yesterday. And so the first habit would, I would say, would be open the lines of communication um, with friends, family and professionals. Uh, be OK with where you're at and where you want to go. Um, 
And then that, that lines itself up with another really good habit, which is writing down where you're at, writing down where you want to go and actually getting pen to paper. I fully 100% agree with you. I take this little blue pen wherever I go. Like I have a little journal. Anytime there's something that pops in my head, I jot it down. I'll underline in a book, write that down back in my journal because, I mean, this little thing is full of little goodies. And you're right. Once you put it down into paper, it's almost like you have to take action on it. If it's in your mind, if you keep it on your phone even, I find I'm not as productive with tasks that are on my phone unless they're actually physically written down by my pen and paper. So I totally respect that and think a lot of people should be get more comfortable with pen and paper, go back a little old school. I know it's not fun carrying around these things anymore, but it's, it's definitely helped shape me during COVID and post-COVID staying in wraps with everything and all that. So thank you for that tip. That's, that's amazing. So what, what took you from fitness coach? What made you really want to pivot from fitness coach to financial? It's really simple and it was meeting my now wife. So when when I ran my fitness company um, in that stage of my life in my early 20s, um, I was like a lot of people that I see right now today where I was passionate about what I was doing and I was laser focused on it. But back to my first tip, I wasn't opening myself up to have conversations with other individuals that was outside of my industry. And what ended up happening was I kind of got to a point where I felt like I accomplished what I really wanted to accomplish being a fitness coach and I wanted a new challenge. So it was partly that I wanted a new challenge and partly because really I had this epiphany of, wow, I'm, I'm going to be married to this woman or, you know, God willing, we're going to have children together and I'm going to have my whole life ahead of me. What is a career that's going to lend itself well for me to get to where I want to be personally? And how do I flip that and actually help others do the exact same thing? And so I don't have any friend. Well, I do now have lots of friends in the industry, but my industry here in financial services is really, really, um, it's really popular for individuals to get into it because their father was in it or a family member was in the industry. Whereas I didn't really have that. I just looked from an outside perspective at this industry and thought to myself, that's meaningful work. I have a lot that I can learn in that industry. And I think as I learn it, as I did in fitness, I can impart that on others as well. That's, so you came at it from a, basically from a level of community service. You wanted to serve others, help others grow personally in their own finances, companies as well. And that was basically your main push, your main motivator. Yeah. And it really carried, it really carried itself forward from my previous career. That's I'm, by nature, I'm a connector, I'm a helper, and I'm a community builder by nature. That's And that's rare to find, especially in a financial advisor. Um, in my experience, a lot of financial advisors are very, um, it's very to the point, just about the numbers, no, um, no, no, no context, basically, of why they want to make the decisions they want to make. So it's good that you want to have that level of service and get to know people on that level. Yeah, it's, um, it's the most rewarding part of the job. Uh, actually, like we talked about initially, putting things down on paper and goal setting and having those conversations about the evolution of somebody's path is, it's so rewarding. Yeah. So how has your, so, I mean, now that we're in the middle of this COVID, we're in stage three, there's looming thoughts of, 
a second wave. How have you pivoted your practice and your, your business in serving others and continue to be able to serve people? Because, I mean, now is probably the time where people need financial advice more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what I've done is created easy access. So using simple tools of Calendly. Um, so really, really communicating to people that it's very easy to get access to me and have these conversations through a simple link like Calendly. Um, and because I'm able and I'm fortunate as an independent broker in this profession to service clients through the camera, through the computer, and have everything done that needs to be done, um, it's safe, it's effective. And furthermore, the response that I've had from, from clients is it's actually a value add. I don't need to spend time getting in the car and coming out and, and all the other things that would go along with traditional financial advisory services. So really pivoting towards virtual consultations, virtual service for the safety and convenience of everybody. And then making sure that, again, providing access, easy access to get people for people to get in touch with me. Um, and it's so much better than the telephone because we can actually build rapport and see each other in this setting right now. And then when you get down to the logistics, um, using a simple service like DocuSign. So <laughs> I, I, I heard something funny and it was, um, in today's day and age, if you are sending a document to a customer and asking them to print it off, sign it, scan it, and send it back to you, that you hate them. And I thought that that was so funny because it's true. Now you can just use a service like DocuSign and it's so easy. Yeah, it's easy. <clears throat> and you, you hit the nail on the head there. People want instant gratification. It has to be easy and it has to be safe, especially during these times. So do you, do you foresee your practice staying the way it is like for the foreseeable future? And you continue doing virtual consultations? Have they been a benefit to you? Yes, I, I, I would love to conduct all of my work this way, aside from the deeper relationship building. So one of the things that I really like doing um, for clients is uh, not traditional whining and dining, but go going out to plant-based vegan restaurants and sharing a meal and breaking bread with clients. Like that's one of my favorite parts of the job. So I sure hope that that doesn't go away and I don't think that it will, but in terms of the nuts and bolts of the services um, that I provide, yeah, I would, I think it's, it's really valuable to save people time um, and again, this, it couldn't be safer than doing something like this. Right. And I think, yeah, although you, again, you hit the nail on the head. Safety is number one right now um, with everything going on. So what's your top vegan restaurant then in the, in the area or in the lower mainland, let's say? Oh, wow. Um, I, I'm a sucker for um, comfort food. So there's three restaurants. It's meat, meat restaurant group. M-E-E-T. Um, they're a favorite of mine. Uh, actually, my favorite, my ultimate favorite restaurant was a casual uh, casualty of COVID. And they actually had to sell and they've closed down. So I can't, I can't give that recommendation anymore because they're not around. Um, but that's something, you know, when people, I think that that's the biggest thing. It's the biggest question I get for, from people is who show a little bit of interest in this lifestyle for all the different reasons why it's positive is, how do you do it? What do you eat? And so I'm always constantly working on social media or the website to provide, again, access 
to where should people go? What are some great restaurants? Bootiful is another good one. Um, out on the island, the very good butchers, they've now pivoted their business to direct to consumer where you can have a barbecue with your family, order their products and it's, and you don't need to go to a restaurant. So there's just so many options. It's hard to say a couple, but. Well, I've been to me and I've been to the very good butchers in Victoria and yeah, I fully agree that I, and I'm not a vegan, but it's, it's, it's the quality it's, you know, my big thing with being vegan was I didn't think I was going to be full enough. I didn't think I was going to be like, what am I going to be eating for protein, all that stuff. But if you really get down to like the nuts and bolts of it, you're right. It's, it's actually such an, it's an endeavor that you should really embark on because my body felt so much better when I did do it. Um, I did it for about two months in Los Angeles. It was super easy for me because there was restaurants all over the place that were just vegan. Um, I didn't have to make the food. I didn't have to think of ingredients. So for me, it was ease of convenience and access. So it was easy for me. Um, being back in the lower mainland in Vancouver, it's a little, it's a little bit harder for me. Um, having to find restaurants to go to, um, cooking at home, especially coming up with the ingredients and everything like that. It's, uh, it's been a challenge, but if you have the resources and you're putting it out there to people, I should just follow that. Absolutely. absolutely. Always a work in progress. And uh, that's where I'm sure we'll, we'll get into where things are headed, but um, that collaborative state of sharing information and access to information, I think is, is pivotal in uh, moving the needle on this, on this, uh, on this topic. Yeah. So what's, what's the biggest piece of advice that you can give um, for just an individual who's just going through a little bit of a tough time, maybe they're collecting the SERP payment from the government, um, but they're having a hard time just keeping up with their daily expenses. What, what's your biggest piece of advice for them? Whether it's hard when it becomes family um, and even friends, but if you can source out whether it's me or somebody else who is not going to charge you to have a conversation and someone that is going to keep everything that you discuss confidential, that's my biggest tip is finding that person or those individuals. And again, getting it out of just being in here. The burden that people have and the anxiety that people have more often than not is a result of it just being between their ears day after day after day, so much so that they have the anxiety that they don't even want to open up their banking app because they don't want to, they don't want to see it. So the, the, yeah. the, biggest, the biggest tip I think would be find that person who is close to you that you know, like, and trust that you can literally just not care what somebody thinks and just get it out of your own head. It is so powerful. And what, what should people be looking for in a financial advisor? Well, I am speaking, I mean, I have my insurance license, so I'm a licensed professional, but I'm even going to kind of put myself um, and hold myself accountable here. Looking for designations is a really good um, tip for people to look for. And I say that, you know, I, I'm working on my designations to be, you know, a CHS and a CLU. I don't have those designations yet, but that's one thing that people can look for is the designations of an individual. Um, and again, in today's society, going into uh, an advisor's website will tell you a lot about what are that person's certifications, 
What are their values? Is there alignment there? So I would say, look for some designations and, and plug around on a website and figure out who might be a right fit for you. And again, if they're doing what they should be, it's easy to access them. And within five minutes, you're going to have an understanding of if this person gels with you or not. Amazing. And for companies looking to either get some help through COVID um, for some of the reliefs that the government's offering, what sort of structures and benefits and stuff do you offer them? Yeah. So in terms of what the government is offering right now, that is really where an advisor like myself is going to lean on and leverage their relationships with other professionals, specifically to answer your question, the accountants that are in that space, because the accountants are going to be the ones who are really going to be able to help business owners and individuals understand what is available to them from the government. Perfect. And what, where do you see all of this going? Where do you see the financial state of the economy and everything post COVID? Yeah, it's, it's a two-sided coin. Like the, the, I don't have kids yet, but again, I'm, I'm thinking of that already. Like my brother just had his first child. Uh, you know, he's four or five months old. I'm now thinking of what is the tax implications for little Presley when he's 30 years old, 40 years old. So on the, uh, bad side of the coin, I'm, I'm looking into the future of that and thinking, you know, we are going to be facing a debt here as Canadians and as a country to pay right? And so that that is going to be coming. The positive side, though, of the coin that I've experienced is um, there was a stat that recently came out that 49% of younger Canadians are focused now more than ever on saving versus spending and spending on their family instead of themselves. So that's really, really positive. Unfortunately, it took something like this to shift perspective on what's really important but it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. You know, in the future, there's going to be a lot to pay back. But I think it's not going to be as much of a mountain to climb. If people now, today, are starting to change their buying behavior, their saving habits, their spending habits, and really imparting that wisdom within their own household, I'm a firm believer that it all starts under your roof. So what are you as an individual? And what are you as the people who are inside your family unit? How are you guys making it through this? And if people are starting to shift towards not spending things that they don't need, you know, my father always used to tell me growing up, there's need to have and nice to have. And if people are really now starting to trim back the nice to haves and focus on the need to haves and their own health and wellness, I couldn't be happier. So where, where do you suggest someone start saving? How do, how do they start saving? Like what's a couple steps someone can do? They've never started saving before. What can they do and where should they put that money? Yeah, so there's a government uh, program. It's called a tax-free savings account, a TFSA. And you can set up your TFSA through your bank if you'd like. You can speak to an individual advisor and they can help you with that, someone like myself, if you'd like. But it's also been easier it's never been easier more than now and today to use the bank that you're at and set up what is called a direct investing platform through your bank. So you can literally set up and fund and manage your own tax-free savings account 
which is really advantageous because the way that a TFSA works is the money that you put in, if you are putting it into something that has growth and return, over time, the money that you make inside your TFSA, when you want to take it out, is not going to be taxed. Versus tax-free savings account. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I wish that the Canadian government actually called it a tax-free investment account, a TFIA. And the reason why is because a lot of Canadians are um, confused that a TFSA is actually an investment vehicle for you to grow your money. It's very common for Canadians to think, oh, a TFSA is only through my bank where I'm not even going to earn inflation. So, you know, you can really use a TFSA to start saving. And it, and it literally doesn't matter if you're starting your habit with $10 a month. $10 a month. That's the biggest misconception I think that a lot of Canadians face is that in order to invest, I need to be making boatloads of money. It's not the case. Again, it's good habits, good small habits build into good big habits on the long term. So can you explain a little bit of what the difference between a TFSA and RRSP is and which one you should be contributing to right away? So it's going to differ for each individual, right? Uh, the biggest difference is, is that a RRSP is as a re registered retirement savings plan, it's locked in. So the money that you put in is essentially locked in to a certain age. So it's very, very much so designed for you to access those funds near the age of retirement. And the way that it works is when you're younger and potentially in your higher income earning years and you make deposits into your RRSP, that is going to be a tax write-off for you. And what happens is when you actually liquidate the funds down the line near retirement, chances are you're going to be in a uh, lesser or smaller tax bracket. And so it's going to be tax advantageous at that point. Um, if you have any mortgage brokers or realtors on Marketing Jam, uh, they might be sharing the um, sort of, some people call it the 90 or the 91 day rule, where if there's money inside your RRSP and it's been in there for 90 days, you can actually take a certain amount out and put it towards your first time home purchase. So, wow. it, yeah, so it's, it's difficult to say, this one over that one. Again, this is really where we as advisors build relationships, write down where somebody's at, write down what their goals are, and really predetermine what's going to be the best fit for that individual. It's not cookie cutter. Uh, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Okay. And so what's how? What's some goals that people should be setting for themselves to be able to be financially secure in the future? The first, the first in, in my humble opinion, the first one is to, again, uh, open yourself up to having conversations around debt and removing debt. Removing debt is, is massive. You know, uh, I really don't think that it makes sense for someone to be paying high interest on debt, but then investing in a stock. I would, I would rather that person get rid of their debt and then really start investing. I think when you run the numbers on 
what the return is going to be, it makes much more sense to really, really start with removing debt. And there's strategies and there's strategies to remove debt. You know, there's, there's a couple different ways to do it and it really depends on the personality. So let's say for instance, that somebody has three uh, credit cards or three lines that they have some debt on. The one strategy is starting small and chipping off and getting rid of whatever the smallest amount of debt that you have on that credit card is getting rid of the smallest one first paying that one off. Then for that type of a personality, they start to build some confidence, they start to build some momentum, and then they chip off the next one, finally ending with whatever their biggest debt item might be. The flip side of that is actually looking at what is the uh, debt that I have that has the largest interest rate and removing that one first, and then going in reverse order all the way down to the debt that carries the lowest interest rate. Some may say there's a right or a wrong. I'm a firm believer that something is better than nothing and action speaks louder than words. So just getting comfortable and getting moving on it. So my first step would be remove debt. Okay. Um, and then my, my second piece of advice is a little bit alternative. And that is actually maybe before you start investing in companies or uh, a TFSA or an RSP, now that you've become debt-free, maybe just take a step back and look at how happy are you? Do you want to start investing in yourself? You know, what, what are you doing for work right now? What are you fired up about it? Do you need to go and get some alternative education and start to invest in yourself in that way so you can be happier day-to-day -day with what you're doing? Once an individual is happy, then it's really simple. You can open up a TFSA, start to fund it, open up an RRSP, start to fund it. And then again, those good habits, once they're in place, it's like clockwork. It, it really doesn't take too much from there on out, but it would be remove debt, invest in yourself, and then start to follow the traditional investment um, avenues that we have here as Canadians. So, and how do you, okay, that's, that's awesome. Those are great tips. But how do you keep, once you've paid off your debt, how do you keep your debt down? How do you keep so you're not overspending, you don't keep spending, and then just rack your debt up again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the most important um, things to understand is what creates a credit score and what creates debt. Okay. And so really understanding that, I think, will give people a lot of perspective. Um, there's, there's one of the highest points that affects someone's credit score is called a utilization ratio. And basically what that means in layman's terms is if I have a credit card that has a thousand dollar limit, there's a lot of people that think racking that up to a thousand dollars and then paying it off in time is totally fine. But that what you actually need to do is follow a utilization ratio. And I know I'm kind of getting into the thick of it here, but you really want to stay around 30% of whatever your max is. So really to not negatively affect your credit score and to have an understanding of how debt and credit works is understanding that, okay, my card, my bank is giving me a thousand to spend here on this credit card. But I know based on utilization ratio and this new information I have, I really don't want to go above 300, even if I'm paying it off. 
So to answer your question about how do we keep debt down, it's being informed about how does debt work? How does a credit score work? And sometimes it literally means taking your credit card out, grabbing a pair of scissors for a lot of people and cutting and, and cutting that credit card. So no. you're, you're, you, you operate your, you and your personal expenses, I'm guessing on a cash basis. I was just about to say, I, I actually wouldn't necessarily, that's an extreme case is pulling out the scissors and cutting the credit card that usually works for people who have, I would say, you know, six, seven different credit cards and they're notorious for racking up a lot where trimming the amount of credit you have is vital. But no, I'm a proponent of using credit when you understand it. There are credit cards where you're going to receive cash back, where you're going to receive rewards. So using, yeah, so using credit for things that matter and are necessary is, a, is, is what everybody should be doing. But unfortunately, a lot of people use credit cards for that 18th pair of shoes or whatever it might be, right? Whereas like one of the tips for people listening today is, your there's one bill there's really really one bill that i'm pretty sure people are not going to get rid of any guesses on what that bill might be mortgage phone sure. for sure but their cell phone right right so what you do is you go into whoever your provider is and you get that cell phone bill to be charged to the credit card and then get the credit card to automatically pay that bill so you don't need to go in and make sure that you made the payment. It's all set up automated, but these are the things that are gonna help you leverage a credit card with rewards or travel points. And furthermore, start to actually rebuild your credit with history of good use, proper use of a credit card. So no, no, I, I don't just pull cash out of my out of my sock when I go into a store. Um, but for things like cell phone bill, uh, gas, the, recurring, the monthly recurring thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Groceries, use your credit card for the things that are necessary that you need in your life. Necessary for the things in life. That's, that's a good tip. What's, what's something that people are going to be able to coming out of COVID, um, people are going to be, there, there's a loss of jobs, um, a lot of people are working remotely. What's something that people can do to reassure themselves financially that they're going to be okay? And what should they be doing now to make sure that they're going to be fine by the end of the year? Yeah, I, I, I hope I'm not beating a dead horse with the statement here. But again, it comes back to having the conversations. Actually, actually having that conversation of, oh, you know, I'm worried and having these conversations with people, I think is really going to allow people, it should, as it does most, allow people to pivot and navigate and start to make decisions because they're not, they're not having all this information in their head where they're second guessing themselves any longer. You know, the power of what we're doing right now, having conversations and networking is so powerful. You start to tell somebody that you're nervous, you're anxious about money, you start to feel a little bit better. Then you start to understand, hey, I'm not really happy with what I'm doing or I'm a little bit uncertain about work. You start to have a conversation with this person. You don't know who they know. 
they might be, they might know the owner of a company who's looking for somebody exactly like you. So again, I think it comes back to um, transparency, open communication, and to be honest, not caring what anybody thinks. You, my main, my main focus is people's happiness and my own happiness. And I think how we get to that point is by not caring what people think and being honest and authentic with where we're at and where we want to go. Authenticity. It's a big one for companies nowadays. That's good. So pivoting a little bit, transitioning, what's, what are some of the challenges that you have faced personally um, that you can share and how you've overcome them? In general or? Yeah, general. Or if there's something off the top of your head that you can think of that's happened in the past and how you've overcome it. Yes. So, I mean, I'm going to stick with, we're on a a marketing jam podcast. So sticking with marketing, uh, making the decision to brand myself as the vegan financial advisor. That was scary at first because I cared what people thought. Um, I had the, um, the, you know, fear, false evidence appearing real. I had the fear that it was actually going to eliminate a lot of opportunities for me by going that niche and going that, um, that focus, but it's the opposite. I've had people calling me from other provinces in Canada because they're Googling vegan financial advisor, vegan financial advisor. And so that was the and why do you think people are Googling for a vegan financial advisor? Is it, is it a value thing? It's yes. It's, so it's, it's what I would dub as, yeah, it's value alignment. It, it's, value it's, value alignment. I mean, I'm going to be honest um, for someone who is living plant-based or vegan, whatever you want to call it, they have apprehensive thoughts, rightfully so about having somebody put some insurance in place for them or manage their money and whatever money that that professional is going to be earning from working with this person going out and then buying steak dinner with that is not in alignment with what they're looking for. And so I've noticed that. And so that was the reason for the branding position and that switch. And um, yeah, I'm happy I did it because obviously something must be working because look, I'm talking to you guys on marketing jam today. Right. And, there we, we, and I think we can, how did we end up connecting? I think we connected. Can you remind me? My bet, my, my recollection is through um, something people may have heard of before. It's called LinkedIn. Oh, and, LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> that thing, <laughs> that platform. I've used that word yeah. twice. Yeah. And that's, you know, back to what I was saying about a struggle that I've overcome was really, again, thinking I was going to be losing out. Um, thinking that, you know, people were going to judge me for how I wanted to be living my practice, living my, my true self. I couldn't have been more wrong. I wish I did it sooner. The amount of people who have responded, especially professionals on LinkedIn has been overwhelming. And, um, I'm excited to see where the future goes because to your point about why are people searching for this, it's in alignment with their values and the movement for several different reasons is gaining a lot of steam. Like I still think I'm a little bit early in this positioning, in this branding, but I'll tell you, I'd rather be early than late. 100%. So what's, what, what are some of the books you're reading right now that's been inspiring you? 
Ooh, well, I just got a, I just got a great new one actually called uh, In Search of the Wild Tofurkey. In Search for the Wild Tofurkey. In Search of the Wild Tofurkey. This is written by Seth Tibbet, who okay. is the founder of uh, an American company called Tofurkey. Um, and it's essentially about his story and entrepreneurship. So that's, that's a cool one that I've, he just sent to me. Thank you, Seth, for the book, by the way, and the, the nice uh, personalized message in there. Um, but some other ones that people might know or have heard of, and I would urge you to definitely pick up, is two come right off the top of my mind. The first is Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Uh, don't be shocked by how big the book is. It just shows how much value is in there. And then the second one is uh, very popular, very worth it, and that's Crushing It by Gary Vee. Gary V. Cool. That's awesome. So, and before earlier, you were mentioning that you're using some, um, some tools to help you and your business basically be accessible to your clients. And you, you, I think you mentioned Calendly. Um, what are some other apps and basically tricks that people can be using in order to help better service their clients? Yeah. So one app that I personally use, and then I would recommend that everybody download right now because it's free and it helps, which I think is the biggest piece missing in the financial services side of the business, which is knowledge, advice, and true understanding of debt, credit, saving, all these different things. So that app is called Mogo, M-O-G-O. Uh, they're out of Vancouver, and they're really going to help you understand your credit score, where it's at, how you can improve it. So that's a great app that I think. Um, Calendly has, has for, for the entrepreneurs in terms of uh, time blocking, um, and again, creating a framework of access for individuals to easily access you. I couldn't, couldn't speak more highly of Calendly. Um, and then internally for me, um, there's another one, uh, for the insurance side of the business. It's called quotes on tap. That's another one that I like a lot. Um, it really allows me when somebody has a question to pull information and literally just share it with them. And it's so transparent. So yeah, those are a couple ones I like and use on the daily. Awesome. I, I think I, I use a few, I think I use Calendly. Um, and I, I see the value in Calendly. It's, it's, it's just awesome. You don't have to think about it. It gets booked. You get the reminders, text messages. It's, it's perfect. And I think there's actually in the pro version, you actually accept payments now. So that's awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us that you think the viewers and the listeners should be able to know about you or about some financial advice? Um, well, part of the decision for the whole, uh, vegan financial advisor play, um, is I'm also using it as, you know, I, so I've been living this lifestyle for like 11 years now. And part of the reason of why I made this switch was not only to attract like-minded people, but I've also used it as a form of cause marketing and essentially activism in a way. So, um, I would... I would, yeah, I would encourage people to figure out what is that thing that really is important to you and really makes you happy and figure out, I know it might sound uh, played out, but figure out a way how you can build a lifestyle business around that thing that makes you fired up. So um, 
that might mean, and now more than ever, you know, if you're, if you are collecting CERB and you're not busy doing all the things you're normally doing, now might be a perfect time to actually do a little bit of diving into what you want. Um, um, and again, start to understand that we're all on our own journey with financial and, and all of that and even fitness um, and start to talk to people who you know, like, and trust about how you can get from where you are to where you want to be. Because there are genuinely a lot of people in this world who are there to help you and get you there and have, have your back. And so we can't read minds. We don't know what someone's going through. And so I think the conversation around money and health and all of that is really, really dependent on our own mental health. There's, that's the biggest shift right now in terms of what I've noticed with marketing in terms of my industry is a huge shift to physical health and mental wellness. And um, I, I really want to create more dialogue with people. Um, and, and, and I guess selfishly, one thing that I want to say is if any listeners out there uh, have been to uh, in Vancouver, it's an iconic uh, location. It's called the Law Courts Inn. Um, if anybody has ever been to the Law Courts Inn before, uh, unfortunately, they are in a position right now where they may not um, be in a position to be operating for the public and for legal professionals. And so if anybody has any questions on that, please do reach out to me um, because I'm really fighting to keep with a lot of others to keep this place open to the public uh, to uphold Arthur Erickson's legacy. Um, and the reason it's a little bit selfish for me is because uh, I was a co-creator of a fundraiser that happened on February 1st of this year, which feels like two years ago already. Right. <laughs> and this was a fundraiser for business owners and entrepreneurs to all get in the room. It was at the law courts in. We had a speaker on the law of attraction. We had a um, silent auction and it was all for um, an organization that supports kids who are coming from broken homes and that are at risk of joining gangs and drugs. And so this is, we had our inaugural event this year, but the, uh, the plan is to do this every single year and the law courts in venue couldn't be better. So that's kind of the, the one plug that comes to mind is uh, keeping that place open. Yeah, I've, I've been following that a little bit and it's sad to see it's going away. But hopefully, I think, I think the, the, the legal association and the law association, they really want it. The bar wants it. So I think, I think it's going to get pushed to stay. So hopefully. Now, I want to wrap up with one final question for you. Um, we're seeing in the legal industry, um, especially in a state practice area, a lot of younger generations inheriting a lot of money um, due to their parents or grandparents um, passing away and they're inheriting lots of money. What is your, t what is your number one tip for someone where they should be putting their money if they say inherited a hundred thousand dollars recently? Yeah. So we are in the midst of the biggest generational wealth transfer in the history of Canada. Uh, maybe, maybe even globally just based on, um, ages and statistics on that end. And so, uh, I would immediately say, and this is just my, uh, conservative financial planning hat that I'm putting on right now, use the money and make sure that you have 
especially if you're a family, make sure that your will, your power of attorney, and your representation agreements are all seamlessly locked up. So make sure that that's done. And then figure out potentially um, what's in line with your values, like I mentioned earlier, because right now it's never been easier to invest in a company that is something that you want to support and something that you're comfortable putting your money into. And so finding those companies um, that you're willing to support and invest in. Um, And I always think one of the biggest returns on investment for people is going to be reinvesting back into yourself, reinvesting back into your business and figuring out if it is a business, what processes need to be put in place from a health and safety standpoint. Couldn't be more prevalent than right now. Make sure all of that documentation, make sure that your employees are loved uh, and taken care of, your loyal employees. So figure out what types of uh, alternative, maybe it's a traditional benefits plan, maybe it's an alternative spending account, wellness account, whatever that might be. Uh, Ask what is the culture of our company and where do we want to go and reinvest back into the company. Um, Yeah, I think that those are a few things that somebody can do to invest their money, but uh, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Justin, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for watching Marketing Jam, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Marketing Jam. Thanks, Marlon. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.